Well, good morning, everybody. I want to jump right in today and talk about four guys from over the lake to four guys that were new on the block from his baby that left him and found a new place to dwell at the end of Lonely Street to when I was 13, I had my first love. Nobody ever compared to my baby. Nobody ever came between me or could ever come above. All four of these celebrity famous musicians and groups, uh, they have something in common besides music. They have something in common besides number one hits and platinum records and major record deals. Uh, each one of these, along with many others in our lifetime, have unbelievable, faithful fans who are crazy love-struck, who are over-the-top and hard to explain, who are bizarre and overwhelming and love new kids when they were in third grade and when they're 38, it's not just the music, every single one of these have fans with an inordinate amount of love for a celebrity who almost shows no love in return. Groupies and fans from teenagers to mamas who scream and lose their voice and cry tears not even understanding why that their heart is so pumping for me growing up it wasn't necessarily a celebrity it was Catherine Fulp she was a senior in high school and I was five years old <laughs> she was the leader at my summer vacation Bible school <laughs> from there in fourth grade it was a girl by the name of Megan Bonus Later on, it was Daisy Duke from the Dukes of Hazard. I knew Janet and I were meant to be, that God had ordained our love when I found out that she had a puppy named Daisy Duke. And our hearts go out and we see, we say, oh, and we just, you know, there's just something there and they scream, they wait in line and wear adult diapers just to see a glimpse of Justin Bieber. I love you, Justin! And he walks right by and pays them no attention. It's a similar story, actually. From Genesis to Revelation. We see God reaching out incessantly to people who pay him little attention. And it's not because God is on an emotional roller coaster. It's not because God can't help himself in a way that maybe the teenager has lifted off of planet Earth. But there is just something about God's love for the human race. And many times we put on the shades and walk on by and walk on by. And we see stories of this all throughout the Bible that 
The Bible is not a story of us wanting to get close to God and get God's attention. He's got your attention. You, you've, you've got his attention. You say, God is looking for your attention. The story of the Bible is look, God looking for your attention. His love poured out for you, not demanding that your love be poured out for him. From Genesis to Revelation. You know, there are 12 books packed into the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. And those minor prophets, the reason they're called minor is not because they're less important than the major prophets. It's simply the size and scale of the book. And so the smaller books kind of hidden in there from Hosea to Amos to Joel, these are little bitty books that are minor in size, but they're very major in the same story of a God who's chasing after us. The book of Hosea is one of those 12 books, and the prophet Hosea, it follows his life. He is a prophet to the northern kingdom. Israel has split in two, and there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom has had six rulers in the last 20 years, and four of them have been assassinated. The people of God that have been brought out of exile, brought out of the desert, brought out of bondage, brought out of starvation, brought out of need after need after need, have trusted God, but when the going gets tough, they look to all kinds of other things. They cannot stay spiritually faithful to God. The book of Hosea is a story to us that, again, shows this incessant chasing of God after us. The book of Hosea opens up like this. The Lord began to speak through Hosea, that young prophet, and the Lord said to him, Hosea, I've got an assignment for you. Now, he's a brand new prophet, a brand new minister, and when you've got an assignment, it'd be be great if it was just like, hey, get a bunch of kids together and go to youth camp. Speaking of which, scan the QR code, sign-ups are on. But this is way beyond getting kids to youth camp or making sure that the nursery's clean between services. I've got an assignment for you, Hosea. The Lord begins to speak to him, and here's what God says to Hosea. Go marry a promiscuous girl and have children with her. What? What? This is God's instructions? Go marry a tramp. Go marry a promiscuous woman who have children with her. For, here's why I want you to do this. Here's the why behind the what. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. One of the greatest sins all throughout the Bible uh, could be described as spiritual adultery. Nothing sears quite like adultery. God is showing us that nothing quite sears like spiritual unfaithfulness. Here's what's crazy. Hosea didn't say, uh, I'm out of here. He could have. There were other prophets in the Bible that did that. God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. Preach. He didn't ask, go marry a Ninevite. Just go to, just go to Nineveh. And, and, and Jonah, he, 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 he couldn't do it. His prejudice kept him from following God's command. Here's the crazy thing about the story of Hosea. He followed, he trusted, and his heart was turned to this woman. So he married Gomer, lovely 
beautiful name. If you're Gomer in the house, so glad to have you. And also, I need to talk to your parents. <laughs> like, what? He married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And not only did she bore him one son, but now, a few years and three kids later, the story of Hosea going to Gomer, marrying her, falling in love with her, the story gets jaded and life takes place and Gomer's not having it. So now we pick up in Hosea chapter 3, a few years and a couple kids later, God says to Hosea, go again, love your wife who is now loved by another man and is an adulteress. And just when it couldn't get any worse, it's not that she's just with another man and committing adultery, but even this man now will turn her out. Either he gets tired of her or he himself is a pimp. Because the way to go and get her, go again, is Hosea buys her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic barley what happened in this story and what can we learn from this crazy stupid scandalous love wherever you're joining us right here in broadcast in one of our locations would you just close your eyes for a moment let's have a prayer together father we're going to dive in today thank you that you love us thank you for as many times if i've walked by you hurried Shades on, hoodie over my head, doing my own thing. You still reach out for us. You still cry out for humanity. You still love us. It is overwhelming, never-ending. And man, it seems reckless. I pray that every person in this room... There may be some strong Christians in the room, but unbeknownst to them, they're still trying to earn your love. They're still trying to perform their way into heaven. They, they love you and they're on their way, but they're trying to earn it somehow from you. There are others in this room and other rooms that they've been running from you. And they don't even understand the depth they could not find a rope long enough to plumb the depths of your love for them. May somehow they see it and feel it and know it today. By the time we leave here, we'll say one to another, today I've not just heard from God, but today I have experienced the love of God. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Everybody said amen. So the Bible is full of these metaphors and these illustrations that try to give us a, a glimpse with our language, who God is and what he's like. And the Bible shows us that, you know, he, if you can understand it, he's kind of like a king with his subjects. And he, he wanted to be the king of the Israelis, but they wanted their own king. He says, okay, okay, I'm going to love you anyway. But let me be the king who's not going to put you a hard tax on you and not going to force you into the front lines of the battlefield. Let me be a king and take care of you. But no, we want our own. And 
That's how God is, like a king to his subjects. God is like, we see throughout scripture, like a shepherd with his sheep. And the sheep go astray, but that shepherd who loves those sheep and wants to take good care builds up guardrails and builds up fences and keeps the eyes open and makes them lie down in green pastures and leads them beside still waters. And when they go and jump right into the nest of coyotes, The shepherd's there to protect and anoint the head with oil and give them everything they need. And as much as we can see, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's like a king, he's like a shepherd, but that's not what all he's like. One of my favorite, he's like a father with his children. And that can be tough for some of us because a father with their children, that might mean something different for you than it would mean for someone else. For someone, it might be an abandonment. For someone, it might be such unrealistic expectations. For some, a friend that I was talking to just the other day, all all my dad is after is telling me, you gotta be better, you gotta be better, you gotta be better. And somehow, inadvertently, you have placed that kind of expectation on God. You gotta be better, you gotta be better, you gotta be better. And can I tell you, the Christians that get better, The Christians that really get better in life are the ones that find out that their acceptance from God to them isn't based on them getting better. It's just based on God being good and accepting you and inviting you into his family. You just got to receive it. So like a king with his people and like a shepherd with his sheep and like a father with his children, we can get them twisted and we can want our own way and we can go right away. But he also shows us in this story and many other stories that our relationship with God is, is more than that. It's actually like it's even deeper and more intimate and more binding. It, it's like a marriage. It's like a marriage between us and God. These are biblical, but they don't exhaust the intimacy and the, 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 the personal binding together. You don't really know how much God loves you until you can begin to see it even through the lens of a spouse, the lens of a bridegroom and a bride. The book of Isaiah says it like this, the prophet Isaiah, a major prophet, don't be afraid You're not going to be put to shame. Like, you're not going to be left out there. He's talking to the nation of Israel, and it applies to us. Because your maker, he's more than a creator. He's more than a maker. For your maker is your husband. Your maker also wants to be like, with that kind of intimacy. (laughs) The Lord Almighty is his name. And as much as we get infatuated, you know, like we have this idea of all this infatuated with these groupies. And someday I'm going to marry Donnie from New Kids. And you ended up with Phil from accounting, you know. <laughs> like, regardless of what expectations your husband meets or doesn't meet or your spouse meets or doesn't meet. Boy, the maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. Wow. So, This story of Hosea and Gomer is telling us that his love is like a marriage, but it's not just like a marriage. Guess what else it's like? It's like a bad marriage. It's like a bad marriage that faces some big problems. Our relationship with God is not just like a marriage, it's like a bad marriage. And yet God, as our spiritual spouse, 
will do whatever it takes and pay whatever it takes to make things right. It's just scandalous, his love. So when we talk about Hosea and Gomer, just a few things I want to pull out of this story today. Again, remember, this, this guy signed up. I want to be a prophet of God. He went through Bible school. He's at his first little church right there in the northern kingdom. And he's in his little studies preparing for his sermon on habits. It's going to be starting that Sunday. And he's preparing his little sermon and out just like it's a prompting. I don't know if it, if it echoes in the room or if it just sears his heart. But God says, Hosea. And he's been waiting for this. Oh, I hear you, God. Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. It's time to get married. Oh, God, yes. It's time to get married. I was waiting. Who is it, God? I picked one out for you. Who is it? Is it Susie? Is it, is it servanthood Susie? She's always serving in the dream team and helping people with their kid check-in. And she's just like always there, ready day and night. She's like a dream, t- like she's dream team supreme. Is it servanthood dream team Susie? No, Hosea. It's not Susie. Okay, okay, that's all right. Is it life group Linda? Is it life group Linda? She's just always connecting people in like community and it's like, oh, like that's like, if I was thinking, if I was going, I mean, could it be life group Linda? Linda's good and she's single, but it's not Linda. Hmm, okay, 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 okay. Um, well, is it, uh, is it, I don't know, who is it, God? Is it piano playing Peggy? She can play the piano, people just cry. It's not piano playing Peggy. Well, who is it, God? And God says her name. He goes, Gomer, where have I heard that? Gomer, 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 Gomer. Wait a second. You mean Gomer from the outreach? (laughs) You mean Gomer who? You mean Gomer? Gomer? You mean Gomer, Gomer. You, You don't mean Gomer. You mean that Gomer? God, do you know Gomer? Do you? Her history? Are you sure? Gomer? Yes. And Jose, I'm asking you to trust me on this. I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to see Gomer the way I see her. Can you imagine this assignment? It's not like these guys are perfect people. This is a normal person, just like you and me, used by God in an incredible way, and yet he trusts God's word to him. scandalous so sure enough the crazy thing is not that God asked him to marry a promiscuous woman the real scandalous thing is that Hosea actually did it and loved her and brought her into his home and on Sunday morning at the church everybody I got engaged and I oh is it is it piano playing Peggy Would you guys welcome my fiance, Gomer? (laughs) One of the senior saints passes out right there on the front row. Oh, God. Could you imagine his friends? Hey, can we have coffee? Listen, I love you. And you know, I don't want to mess with your, your stuff. But like, bro, bro. You remember how we were talking about like a Proverbs 31 woman? (laughs) Like, you know. This, this, is, this is like not her. Trust me, God's in this. God's in this, and I, and I love her. 
It's going to be okay. I love her. Are you, sh- are you sure? Hosea? Can you imagine his family on the day of the wedding? Gomer's walking down the aisle. Hosea's mom, we spent all this money on Bible college. And he married a trap. No. Oh, God. Oh, God. And yet he loves her and he takes her to his modest little parsonage there on the church property. And they have kids together. And it's like a happily ever after until it isn't. Because in the very next chapter, Gomer says, I'm going to go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil, and my drink. Why would, why would Gomer do this? She's pulled out of promiscuity and given faithfulness to a man who loves her regardless of her past and wants to show her what real love is and be faithful to her, but she just can't stay there. And we can cross our arms and be like Hosea's mom and say, uh-uh, no way. And yet we're all guilty may not be the arms of another lover. But this is like, look, where do you go when you're stressed? Where do you go when you're stressed? Some of us, we go to eating. Some of us, we go to shopping. Some of us, we go to alcohol. Some of us, we we go to whatever is going to ease that stress. And it's not the drunkenness or the over-excessive spending that becomes a sin. What happens is when we go to the wool and the linen and the arms of something that we feel will give us something that our true spouse won't, it's spiritual adultery. It's unfaithfulness. And God's saying, I want you, I want you and you alone. I, I want you to be faithful. I want monogamy here. I want this open thing. Before we're too hard on Gomer, like, that's us. Hey, where do you go to for financial security? Pastor Stevens up here talking about the three-check challenge. And, and I already know, like, there's some of you like, hmm, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I'm going to visit this church all after my money. Here's what's crazy. If God was our true source of everything, and we truly were committed to that, and we totally knew, know that, I'm telling you, it would be so much easier to say, of course, God, you can have 10% of my income because you're now, I'm going to be in alignment with you and you're going to help me with the other 90%? Duh, that makes perfect sense. But instead we say, "Mm, I love God and I'll praise his name and I'll sing about his reckless love, but my money's my money. What it shows is, can we really trust him with even the small things? She said, I don't know if I want this life. There was a draw to the nightclub. There was a draw to the... There was a draw to a different lover and a one-night stand. There was a draw to it. It was attractive to her. And I, I don't know if she felt like she didn't deserve that kind of love. And that in and of itself, she began to self-sabotage, which many people do. 
In their own insecurities, they'll self-sabotage their relationship with God because they think, oh, I, I missed earning it, so I'm just going to leave it because I know I won't ever be able to match up to what God expects. And so they self-sabotage themselves. I, I don't exactly know what happened, but she said, I'm going to go after my lovers. We don't know what triggers it, but it starts with some strange behavior. She comes in later and later. They have a couple of kids. She comes in way late at night. She's got quiet phone calls in the garage. Who are you talking to? No, 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 nobody. Let me live my life. There, Hosea is starting to begin to wonder what's going on. He's got three kids running around early in the morning. He's ironing clothes, trying to get the first one ready for school. He's looking around at his kids, his third one, Third child, youngest, doesn't even look like him. He's like, and here's why we know that. Because they named the youngest one, they named the youngest one, Loami. Do you know what Loami actually means? Not mine. (laughs) Like, oh, this is your child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's their name? Not mine. (laughs) Wow. She goes and lives her life. She finds herself in the embrace of other men and goes and lives with another man that she found through this escapade. And yet, Hosea shows this crazy, stupid, scandalous love. Write some of these thoughts down if you're taking notes. Number one, God's love isn't just beautiful. Now, it's fun to pray that and sing that and and, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name. Like, it's so, oh, it is beautiful and oh, amazing grace. Oh, how sweet the sound. God's love isn't just beautiful. It's beautiful, but it isn't just beautiful. Guess what else it is? You know what else it is? It's horrifying. It is It is scary. It is horrific. It scandalizes us. Because if it were anybody else, if it were your child loving someone like God loves us, and that someone that your child loves has been unfaithful time and time and time and time again, you would say, what are you thinking? God's love for us is horrific. Ironing the clothes and she still comes in. Seven o'clock in the morning in a drunken stupor. Smells like somebody else. Says, what are you doing? I'm worried sick about you. She ends up leaving him. And yet, Hosea continues to love her. As a matter of fact, in Hosea 11, listen to the the voice of God through Hosea. Oh, how can I give you up? How can I let you go? My heart is torn within me. His friends and his family say, I don't mean to say I told you so, but like, we told you so. I can't give her up. Yes, you can. I cannot give her up. My heart just, she's going to come back. She's going to come back. I got to stay faithful. Some of you might think, well, man, is that, a, is that a recipe for, like, no matter what your spouse does, that, like, you, 
you should just stay there and do that and do that. No, that's not a recipe. As a matter of fact, God himself gives legal advice through the law on how to appropriately or legally get a divorce in the Bible. God goes way beyond the legal requirements. He could have he divorced all of us a long time his love for you isn't based on a legal document. His love isn't based on, a, on passion or a crime of passion. His love is based on his promise that he loves you. And his love goes all the way down. All the way down. Way past your performance. Way past your past. Way past that sinful habit that you, you kicked and then it came back you all the way down and, and it's and it's it's horrifying to see that kind of depth that if you could just plumb just a little bit of it if you could just dive down into that you know oh, he doesn't want me to serve him because he wants to be a straitjacket in my life he wants me to just love him back because he loves me more than i ever could love him and gomer leaves well, something else we see about God's love is number two, God's love isn't pushy. God's love isn't pushy for, 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 for Israel or for you or for, for Gomer. Because here's the deal. She's loved by another man. She's chosen another man. And Hosea could have gone to the local La Quinta Inn, busted open the door, says, woman, get your stuff. Get out. You stay right there, sir. Get your stuff and get in the car. He could have been pushy. He's not pushy. God, God's not pushing you to come back into relationship. He isn't pushing. He will not push you. But man, is he unbelievably persistent. He's not pushy. He's not a stalker. Jose is not driving around late at night checking out the nightclubs. Not stalking or trying to figure it out. Not calling all the different numbers. But he's unbelievably persistent. As a, fa as a matter of fact, in Hosea 3, go again, love your wife who is loved by another and is an adulteress. When you step back into the same sin, God goes again. When you step back into the same habit, God goes again. When you do what, like the apostle says, Paul says, I do what I don't want to do, and then what I ought to do, I don't do it, and oh, I, I just like, I, I'm not where I need to be. God goes again. The love chases you again. His sacrifice before you could ever get anything right, the sacrifice of his one and only son on the cross goes again after you, and goes again after you, and goes again. Now, at some point, can we reject that? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. You can reject that. Let me tell you something. Do you know that it's not your sin or your past habits or your failures that send you to hell? An unwillingness to look up and receive his grace does. It's not the sin that sends us. It's our unwillingness to embrace his grace and follow him. He says, if you want your will to be done instead of my will to be done, then you can live for eternity. Your will be done. 
I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to force Gomer back into Hosea's bedroom. And I'm not going to force you into heaven. Because heaven isn't really about streets of gold or pearly gates. It's about the presence of Jesus. It's about the bridegroom. It's about our marriage to him. And he's like, if you don't want to be married, I'm not going to make you married for eternity. You don't, you, don't want to, you don't want me to be your king. Don't want me to be your shepherd. Don't want me to be your father. Don't want me to be your spouse. You don't, you don't have to do that. Oh, but he's so persistent and he's so willing. But if you change your mind, just look up and receive my grace. Jose is a single dad raising three kids. Gomer's living her best life on one night stands and all night parties. Something happens Somehow she moves from being in the arms of a lover to now being a, a commodity, a, a utility, a bargaining chip. And we don't know if it's the man she's with or if something happens and she's with now someone else. But she moves from being a promiscuous woman to a woman forced into prostitution. So now what she wanted, all she wanted was her freedom. And she looked to whatever she thought could give her that freedom. And actually what she looked to besides God to find that freedom actually is what bound her up the most. And now she's in sexual slavery. And you know how things move. You know how word spreads. You telegraph, telephone, telegram, tell a church member, <laughs> you know. Like, somebody in the church finds out, gives old Hosea a little messenger. Bleep, bloop. Hey, Hosea, get Pastor Hosea, give me a call when you get a chance. Pretty urgent. Hey, sister so-and-so, how's it going? Oh, sweet Pastor Hosea. I just didn't know if you knew this or not, but that little hussy of yours. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just want you to know, I just feel terrible. I just, I heard it on the prayer chain. Um, she's, she's down in the market square, and they're selling her. They're selling her. I'm just praying for you. I know that must mean, oh, that just me. And before she even realizes it, Hosea, Pastor Hosea, he's hung up the phone. And he's out the door. And his first stop is to his local bank. And he busts through the front doors of the local bank and he withdraws everything he has. It's 15 shekels. He realizes that the cost of a slave in that day is 30 pieces of silver, 30 shekels, and he's only got 15. He wipes out his bank account. He goes back to his little parsonage, and he gets some barley and some wine. He gets whatever he can from the pantry that might amount to another 15 shekels, and he stuffs it in a sack. He puts it over his, his shoulder, and he heads to the market square. Do you see? God's love eviscerated Hosea. And God's love eviscerated him. What is eviscerate? It's an SAT word, I know. It absolutely gutted him. It absolutely spent him. He was absolutely, everything he had to give was given away. 
God scooped up the most valuable treasure in heaven and he spent it on you. And he shows us through Hosea that everything it takes, Hosea, go get her back and I may be broke and I may not have a cent to my name and I may not know where my next meal is coming from but I love this woman and I can't give her up and my heart is torn and if it means I go bankrupt so be it I'm heading to the market square to get my girl that's what Jesus has done for us that's what Jesus has done for us Hosea shows up and a crowd is already gathered and the auctioneer puts her up on the pedestal and she's there and she's naked. Her hair's matted in her face. She's shivering in the cold. Some drunk pervert with barely a couple teeth in his mouth shouts out, I'll give you a couple shackles. People laugh. Other men are inspecting her, seeing what kind of bargain they can get. And I wonder if she stands there in front of this crowd. I wonder if she flashes back to, why didn't I stay? She hears her little baby saying, mommy. She's like, how did it come to this? Here I am, I can't, got no control. Who's going to even want me anyway? Why, why did I leave? And the familiar voice pushing through the crowd. I'll buy her. I'll spend whatever it takes. Hosea lays the shekels and the bread and the wine at the feet of the auctioneer. Takes his coat off and wraps it around. She's so weak, she just falls into his arms and he just carries her through the crowd. And why? Why? I don't know if Hosea would just whisper through her matted hair into her ear. I just, I just love you. I love you. Number four. God's love isn't a reward for my faithfulness. There was nothing that Gomer did to deserve being bought. God's love isn't a reward. If you're a good boy, if you're a good girl, if you go to church, if you get everything right, if you start tithing, if you start doing this, you serve on a dream team, his love is not a reward for you being faithful because then all of a sudden it's all about what you could do and what you are and who you are and has nothing to do with that. He loves you crazy, scandalous, love, it's nuts. God's love isn't a reward for your faithfulness. God's love is power for my freedom. And he gives it to you. You don't have to live like you're bound. You don't, he who the son sets free is free. You don't have to live like this, you're free. I already paid for your freedom. I think something that we struggle with as Christians, we're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And we think, we think that we look at Gomer and we, we compare ourselves and we think we're pretty good. I mean, we're pretty good. All my kids are my husband's kids. 
I'm not like, you know, running around. We compare. The other day, um, had an exchange with one of our pastors who had someone visit Timber Creek. And, and they said, you know, it's not really my cup of tea. They said, I want a pastor who's going to, who's going to tell it like it is and make that sinner squirm. Who, who has no problem pointing to someone saying, you're going to split hell wide open. What I said to that pastor is, little do they know that they're the one. That they're the one. And they're holier than thou place waiting for the pastor to point to someone else who's got some sin. When they're the one. And I'm the one, and you're the one. We're all the one. Who the finger ought to point right here. And I am more sinful and flawed than I could ever even imagine. And what we do, though, is we try to build up our performance and match it up to someone else. Well, at least I didn't do that. Or at least I was able to do this. Or, I mean, at least I served, you know, I mean, I'm not that bad, right? And you are more wrong than you could ever even imagine. But at the very same time, being so flawed and so broken and so sinful and so not where you need to be, simultaneously, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than you could ever dare hope. Fourth grade, it was Trisha Tatum. And she was in what we called, it was girls' discipleship, but back then we called it missionettes. We, got, we had the trailblazers and pioneers and missionettes. It was spiritual boy and girl scouts. Trisha Tatum, oh. My mom gave me leftover necklace from her little drawer. And on a Wednesday night at Payola Assembly of God, I waited nervously in front of the missionette's door waiting for it to open up for those girls in those blue sashes to come out like it was Miss America. If you know, you know. And I was nervous, just waiting for Trisha. And she came out, and I said, here and it was an envelope and it had the necklace in it and it had a note in it and you know what the note said I like you do you check or or maybe she took it and she ran off and then her sister Tara Trisha and Tara Tatum Tara came back to me. She said, my sister said thanks for the necklace, but it's a no. <sighs> Broke my heart. It's never a no.
wanted it to be no. But right now, it can still be yes. And there's no in between. It's the kind of crazy, stupid, scandalous love that he has for you. Stop trying to earn it, Christian. Embrace it, accept it. The only right way to respond to this kind of love is in total. Is in total. I mean, look, you, you, you can. You can you can reject him as a phony and fraud and walk away from him. Okay. Okay. You can do that. You got your own theories. Or you can bow down and fall on your knees in adoration and surrender, but don't do it halfway because he did not love you halfway. He loves you with everything. So this was supposed to be the final week of habits. But God nudged me in the middle of the week, gave me a prompt. I, I, I there's a, famous, there's a movie out right now inspired by this true story. Something nudged me, and I realized this. Out of all the habits, out of all the atomic habits, the little things you can do, embrace his love. with me at all locations friend it is time it's time this is your opportunity you've been trying to earn this sucker you've been trying to get things right some of you you've been so religious you've sucked the love right out of it it's all become religion to you it's all become the do's and the don'ts and go get them God and you have missed the entire story of love God has starts with God's love and if you're here today for the first time or the first time in a long time you need to receive that love just open up your heart and receive that say Jesus I did not earn it I do not deserve it thank you for dying on the cross for me you paid for me to be freed from the slavery that's in sin. And I want to receive it today. Thank you for going after me again and again and again. I commit my life to you for a fresh time or maybe for the first time. And then friends, there are some of you that need to turn into some Hoseas. But you need to love like that too. Not just receive his love, but love, love others like that too. So Father, help us to love like you, to grow in that love. Thank you for restoring the spiritual marriage between us and you. 
ask it all in Jesus' name.